It's a real privilege for me to be here when Diana asked me to come and speak. I didn't feel like I had a lot of options there. (laughs) But it's a real pleasure to work with Diana. We've known one another since 1988, and we've worked together since 1989 in various uh, settings and capacities. And she's a wonderful sister, and it's a privilege to worship with you this morning. I see a lot of friends in here. And uh, I feel at home. I really, really count it a privilege to share this Mission Sunday with you. I'm speaking on the subject of the North Star of Missions. Let's begin with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we come into your presence and we ask, Lord, that your Holy Spirit will open our eyes to see what you want us to see, impress upon our hearts the things that are on your heart for us this morning, and inspire us to dream and to obey in partnership with the Holy Spirit to exalt the name of Christ and to reach the nations with his love. Thank you. Once that prayer in Christ's name. Amen. Well, if you are like me, these are very difficult, uncertain times. We are living in a time when Christianity is under attack from many fronts. We are also living in a time when you are tempted to question whether or not what God has said will actually come to pass. We are living in a time when we are not sure whether we are helping our children, grandchildren face a future that will be better than our present. This is the time of ISIS. This is the time when, when you show up in some parts of the world and declare yourself a Christian, you could lose your life. This is the time where when you go to some places and you share your faith, you have committed a crime. This is the time in many parts of our world that when you go to church or a Christian gathering, you are not sure that you are safe because somebody could come with an explosive and your life is just shattered into pieces. This is the time when in some places of the world, just going to a shopping mall or any gathering of any group, you pause and think, am I safe? This is the time when young children go to school and you are not sure that they will come home. In the midst of all of this, one thing is clear that it is an attack on Christianity. There may be different ways of looking at it, different ways of explaining it, but when you study the spirit of what is happening, you realize that we are living in a time when the faith, the Christian faith, is under attack. 
the question that comes to mind is that where will all of this lead us? Our time is no different from the times of the prophets. In Isaiah chapter 11, Habakkuk chapter 2, we have two prophets that were asking God questions that we will ask today. They were both looking at their time, they saw the nation of Israel under captivity. The promises of God were there, but the things that they were observing seemed to be very opposite. They saw the wicked enjoying the fruits of their wickedness. They saw wealthy people oppressing the poor to increase their wealth. They saw injustice, unrighteousness. And in the midst of all of this, the natural conclusion will be that things are heading in the wrong direction. It was in that kind of context, very similar to ours, that God presents very, very strongly what I call the North Star of Missions. In Isaiah 11, verse 9, God said, For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 14, God said, For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Now, what God was saying, what God is saying is this. In spite of what you see, in spite of the challenges, in spite of the difficulties, in spite of the nonsensical nature of all that you see, what should not be under question in your mind in any shape or form is this reality that at the end of it all, this whole earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. It is like God is inviting us to look at the final pages of the script for this drama which is unfolding in front of us. And I believe that everything that we do in Christian missions should really be informed by this North Star of missions. God is at work. And he is working towards this end when the whole earth will be filled with the knowledge of his glory. To Habakkuk, God gets more precise, perhaps more forceful with this presentation. He said to him, write down the revelation. Put it into writing. Make it plain on tablets. If Ken Cochran was speaking, you would raise the tablet. Okay, make it plain on tablets. <laughs> so that any herald or messenger of the gospel will run with it. Run with this revelation. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end. 
and will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. This is what God wants deposited in our hearts. This is what God wants settled in our minds. That he, God, is at work until the whole earth is filled with the knowledge of his glory as the waters cover the sea. That includes Saudi Arabia. That includes China. That includes the United States. That includes the Scandinavian countries. That includes Africa. The whole earth means the whole earth. That includes Japan. There is coming that time when the whole earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. Don't be in doubt. That is the message from God. That's the first promise. The second promise is about a coming Messiah. To make this a reality, God sends a deliverer. A deliverer who will bring salvation to the people. A shoot will come from the stump of Jesse. A root from Jesse. We know we call him the son of David. He will be the Messiah. He will be the deliverer of my people. And the spirit of the Lord will rest on him. And God goes on to give us some characteristics of the spirit that will rest upon Christ. It's the spirit of wisdom and understanding. The spirit of counsel and might. The spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. This Messiah will judge in righteousness and justice. And the Bible tells us that he will not judge by what he sees or by what he hears, but he will judge in righteousness and justice. In other words, when the Christ comes and he is working in our midst, he is working in the interest of righteousness. He is working in the interest of justice. And we know we have justice when those who are less powerful, those who are needy and poor, can experience justice. But this is what the Spirit of Christ is doing in our time. Isaiah 11 verse 10 also tells us one of the characteristics of the Messiah is that the nations will rally to him. Just imagine that he's, he comes like a magnet and the nations will be running to him. They see in him the savior they have been longing for. They will see in him the savior they've been longing for.
I want to assure you this morning that God is at work at an incredible speed in spite of what you read and see on the screens. And let me share with you what has happened on the continent of Africa. The mid-19th century saw a lot of missionaries coming to Africa. If you will imagine with me, at the time that the missionaries were rushing in, it was not a fashionable thing to be involved in missions. Because there was malaria, and malaria in those days was as scary as Ebola is today. When you went to the mission field within two weeks, you could contract malaria. Within six months, you will be gone. Very short missions for many who were coming to Africa in those days. At the end of the 19th century, beginning of the 20th century, in 1910, a group of leaders of missions met in Edinburgh, Scotland, and they were evaluating effectiveness. They were evaluating how far they have gone. The story about Africa was very discouraging because with all the lives that were lost, it was less than 10 million who could be known or called Christians on the continent. They were so discouraged that they were tempted to think or entertain the thought that perhaps it may be true that Africans do not have the capacity, God-given capacity for salvation. Perhaps it may be true. That was how bleak it was. But they did not give up Missions continued through the 20th century. And all of a sudden, the situation began to change. From 1910 to 1980, within a 70-year period, there was a remarkable difference. From less than 10 million known Christians to 300 million Christians. Incredible advance. And then it was predicted that by the end of the century, 50% of the continent could be Christian. I want to let you know that that is the case today. But even better news is that the 517 million Christians in Africa the projection is that this is moving towards 60% very fast. Some estimate that we are already at 63%. But if you fast forward into 2050, the statisticians also tell us that one out of every four people would be African at that time. We don't go through all the sophisticated birth control methods 
that some of you are familiar with. One out of every four will be African. Imagine that one out of every eight is a Christian on the planet. Can you see what God is doing? That is the reason why I believe what God has said is true and will come to pass. We look at the nation of China. For many years, our assumption was that maybe very, very, very few people in that country would be Christian. But when the country opened up, the estimate is that there could have been 50 million Christians. How did that happen? Because the Spirit of God is working towards the North Star of missions, which is not under question in the mind of God. Today, some estimate that it could be close to 120 million in China who are Christians. Now, those of you who have worked there will know that once in a while you have some conversations with security people. They want to understand what you are doing. Now, those who are going through those kinds of interrogations or discussions are telling us that one of the areas of interest of these security agencies now is about change lives. Tell us more stories about change lives because it's fascinating for them what God is doing. We are also living in a a digital age. There are no barriers to sharing the good news. You can be here in your home and you could be reaching somebody in Kazakhstan or Turkey through the social media. So we have come to a place in the history of missions when we can say that today, unlike any other time in the history of missions, we have the manpower, we have the money, we have the strategies, we have the openness to get the job done. Today, like no other time in human history. But God goes on to say that the Messiah will also draw the Israelites back to God. So I believe that we are going to see a lot of Messianic Jews being raised up who are acknowledging that indeed Jesus is the Savior. That is also part of God's promise. But God also tells us what I call Messianic miracles will be taking place. Miracles that will show us something about the perfect which is yet to come. Miracles that will give us a taste of the promise of God yet to come. 
And there are a lot of these in scriptures when Jesus showed up. And there are a lot of these that are occurring today. One of the ones that I read that fascinates me, and I'm yet to hear anyone talk about this in any pulpit anywhere in the world, because it's theologically baffling, is that after, when Jesus gave up his spirit, there was an earthquake and the tombs were open. And after his resurrection, a lot of the saints that had died were seen alive and walking amongst the people. Now, we don't preach about that because it's a little problematic to position that experience theologically. But it is so important to realize that it was an essential miracle to point to the resurrection yet to come. To point to the resurrection yet to come. Miracles are part of the deal. Jesus said, those who follow him, signs will accompany them. And when he talked about this in Matthew, Mark chapter 16, 17, and 18, Mark then records the statement that the disciples went on proclaiming the good news. And the Lord Jesus himself performed miracles to accredit or to validate and affirm what they were proclaiming. Miracles are part of the deal. In some parts of Ethiopia, we still have challenge going to those parts with the good news because they are very Islamic. But a group of students in Ethiopia who heard about Aweda, which was one part that was difficult to be reached with the gospel, there was no Christian institution there at the time. They felt the challenge and the call to go to Awadai. They fasted and prayed for three days and they went. Sure enough, they were met with resistance. But there was a Muslim who gave them a good idea. He gave it as a challenge. There was a mad person, insane person, very popular in the town. And the Muslim said, if your God is true, pray that this man will be healed. Then we'll know your God is true. Now, the students, young, energetic, with great aspiration, they haven't gone to seminary, they've not confused their minds. <laughs> trying to study the original Greek and Hebrew and miracles and all of that. I'm not saying those things are not helpful. They are very helpful if you do them right. But when you, when you don't do them right, they can be a problem. But just filled with the joy and the zeal of the Lord, they took this mad person away and spent all night in prayer 
for him. And the Lord healed him. So they clean him up, they put him in new clothes, they cut his hair, and they brought him the following day to town. Now there was a serious uproar. There were some who believed as a result. There were some who were very angry, and they took the the man back to the family and said, we don't want him to be a Christian. The students left. The following week they came back. After a week, the man was still in his right mind. And they were emboldened with this reality and they started preaching again. Now they called the police and they were arrested. They were sent to prison. In prison, they knew only one thing to do. Pray for the sick and preach the gospel. So there was another person who was sick in prison. They prayed for him. He was also healed. And they left them in prison. But the longer they left them, the more lives that were changed. (laughs) So they finally decided after two weeks to release them. Because they were faithful witnesses to the gospel. Miracles are part of the deal. There is the story in Chad also of a missionary who went to Chad and he was working on a university campus, a very young person. And as he worked, obviously lives were being changed. When they realized that lives were being changed, they reported to the authorities. The administrators for the university knew what they had to do. It was simply to stop this missionary from the Congo from working on the university campus in Chad. It was that simple. But they had a problem. The problem was that through the witness of this missionary, some of the radical students had come to faith in Christ and there was peace on the campus. So, If they send him away, they'll be giving up on peace. If they kept him, people will be coming to Christ. But after a careful deliberation, they made a smart decision. They said, we are going to keep the missionary. but We want to also buy him a motorbike so he can speed up the work that he's doing. (laughs) These signs will follow those who believe. When we go forth, the Lord himself will work miracles to affirm the message that he has given to us. I believe so much in apologetics, proving the deity of Christ with sound biblical, historical, legal arguments. But I also believe in a new kind of apologetics, where we allow the Holy Spirit to demonstrate that the gospel is a dynamite, a dynamo, full of the energy of the Spirit of God, changing lives, changing situations in ways that nothing else that we know 
on planet earth can. When God works, when the gospel changes lives in society, we have the confirmation that Jesus indeed is the Son of God. That was the confession of the centurion and others who were there when Jesus gave up his spirit and the earthquake that was experienced and the miracles that happened around them. Just in that moment, they had to exclaim, Surely, this man is the Son of God. God also promises us that there will be the righteous who will live by faith. They will be faithful to righteousness. But listen, they will also believe and be faithful to the vision that we call the North Star. There will be a righteous remnant who will stubbornly believe that there is coming that day when we'll come to the last pages of the script and the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Are you part of that remnant of the righteous? This conversations between God and the prophets ends with a command. And the command that was given to Habakkuk Habakkuk 2.20 is simply this. The Lord, he is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. Don't you worry. Don't you doubt. Rest assured. God is in his holy temple temple. He is the author of the script. He is the stage manager for the actors. And it will all end where it needs to be. Jesus, the Savior, the Lord of the nations. God bless you.